From the depths of our nightmares to the haunting of the witching hour. We present to you Crazy Hexy Ghoul. I'm Kelly. And I'm Arlo. So come and join us as we obsess over ghosties and shit. Did you just say ghosties and shit? Hell yeah, I did. You guys, shit's about to get real. ghosties welcome back to another episode i am your host arlo and i'm kelly uh and we're so fucking glad you're here thank you for coming back again and again yes <laughs> so kelly what's new with you how are things let's talk halloween i actually haven't been able to do a lot of halloween stuff lately there's still so much time too there is for sure. but by this time i'm normally like neck deep in spirits of halloween <laughs> Because there's a spirit Halloween on every corner. And that brings me to my monologue this week. Would you like to hear it? I would love to hear it. Okay, so I came to this uh, realization that our podcast is basically just one giant Halloween podcast year round. So how do our episodes... So how do our episodes differ now? (laughs) Sorry. Woo, is the Benadryl kicking in? It probably is. Yeah, I had an allergic reaction to some shit. So how are these episodes going to be different than the ones that we've made in the past? Right? So let's switch it up and do something fun. Do you like to do fun stuff? Never. I never like to do anything fun. <laughs> so for the listeners out there, you obviously can't see us, but uh, I've noticed that there's something Kelly does every episode we record, and I just noticed that she did it, and it's so funny, so I'm going to tell you what it is. When you look at the microphone, your eyes cross. <laughs> and you look at the microphone a lot. And no, it's the most endearing thing about you in everything that we do together. I didn't realize I did that. It's so, it's like, you know, spirit of a little ghost baby. That's, you know, crossing your eyes. So it keeps, okay. It's what's keeping the podcast alive is me just right? crossing my eyes whenever right? I look at this. Because if they're not crossed, they'd be rolling down the hall, right? <laughs> You'd be chasing them babies Maybe. 24-7. So like I said, I realized we, we host and we write a spooky, witchy, ghosty crime podcast, which is all about Halloween all the time, you know, and we're like the spirit store of podcasts, but year round, mm-hmm. right? Uh, is either a sad thing or like a really good thing. What do you think about that? I think it's a good thing. Yeah. I love Halloween. I know. I know, but like we're advertising Halloween episodes and it's just the same old shit. I don't know. I like the same old <laughs> Halloween shit. <laughs> I know. I know. I don't like change at all. I don't mm-hmm. like change. So like why fuck something up that's already good? Like why? Mm-hmm. You know, why would you uh, fucking not do that? I, it almost feels like um, it's like telling a pumpkin that it's also a jack-o'-lantern, like that it moonlights as a jack-o'-lantern. Mm-hmm. So I don't mind being a pumpkin that's also a part-time jack-o'-lantern. So how about we're pumpkins 365, but our Halloween months, we turn into jack-o'-lanterns. Thoughts? Sure. Or we're just average birds flying around, but during our Halloween era... Or crows. Or just some kind of scary-ass bird. I prefer to be a raven. Okay. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Just pick whichever scary bird suits your personality. All right. This uh, three months out of the year. (laughs) (laughs) So I saw the other day it was like 70-something days until Halloween. Not soon enough. Mm -hmm. 
Mm-hmm. But I'm savoring every day of it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Okay. Because that just means I have more time to prepare for Halloween. <laughs> and that means I have more time to look at stuff at Halloween. I went over to Lowe's and I have oh. their Halloween stuff out already. Oh, interesting. Man, I, I did not expect Lowe's to have their stuff out before Home Depot. That's crazy. Yeah. Um, essentially a haunted it's, house. It's basically it's in shambles. Yes. It's like Louisiana shutter slap in the door kind of house, right? It is falling uh-huh. apart. Uh, yeah. So mm-hmm. we've mm-hmm. had a couple of home projects that we've had to do immediately. Right. Did your like feathers ruffle since you're a raven and everything? Uh-huh. So you're the raven and I'm the jack-o'-lantern. All right. Um, and you just sit on top of me. You know what I mean? Like you just sit on my back and we're yeah. just there being yeah. cool and fucking scary and shit. Let's do it. <laughs> now, I told you about what happened last year with our pumpkins in our uh, front on our front lawn didn't I Uh -uh, I so the pumpkins last year we have a lot of squirrels in our neighborhood our neighborhood is very squirrel heavy Mm -hmm. you know it's their population it's where they live it's where they go year-round and uh we had cut out some jack-o'-lantern faces on some pumpkins we got and one day I came home from work and shit you not the squirrels had eaten a tooth from my jack-o'-lantern's face (laughs) so he was a toothless ass motherfucker sitting there on the lawn i felt i I giggled like you just did i was like oh shit these squirrels aren't fucking around man they robbing people's teeth out their skulls Uh (laughs) uh-huh fucking squirrels man i love squirrels but they too much nowadays you know that's pretty halloween to me (laughs) (laughs) very ravenous squirrels trying to get the pumpkins Mm -hmm. Mm mm-hmm They must taste really good because they eat our pumpkins every year. That and rabbits. We also have a lot of rabbits, too. So I prefer squirrels over rabbits. I feel like rabbits have, I guess they have the same, like, fleas and ticks and diseases and stuff. But I don't know. I like squirrels. Yeah. (laughs) I always feel really sad when I see squirrels on the side of the street that have been smashed. And I'm like, oh, God. I always say, like, not a prayer because, you know, I'm not a religious person. Mm -hmm. But I always, like, send well wishes to the universe that their soul is, like, happy wherever it may be right whatever the situation yeah, is i did the know? same thing same with birds on the ground i yeah. feel bad or cats and dogs man i came across this cat one time and i had been walking to work this was years ago and the poor thing i got close to it and then it took a deep breath and it was twitchy it hurt i had to i had to go to work with that shit on my brain all day i had okay it was like the worst day of my life and it it didn't start out this way but it was kind of in the middle I was going over to my parents' house, and someone had just hit a dog, and a big dog. Like, it was like a golden retriever. And it was, like, twitching and seizing, and it was so sad. I had, like, a 15-minute panic attack. My my brother had to talk me down. Oh, my God. I would have, too. Look, I'm I'm freaking out right now. (laughs) Yeah, it was awful. And that was the day my family's dog died as well. What? (laughs) Yeah. It oh was God. That the was like, trauma. That was only a couple of things that happened that day. It got worse. So this is not the Halloween I expected. <laughs> this is not it. Well, that happened, and I had worked a night shift previously, mm-hmm. and um, that night, so I went home after all that happened, and I went to lay down on my couch. And I found out that, um, well, I heard this like skittering underneath my couch that I had just laid down one. Mm-hmm. And we were having mice problems. 
<gasps> and I'm like, oh God, it's a mouse. So I moved the couch and a mouse ran away. And finally I got my cat to get it. And then I had mm-hmm. to wrestle it out of her mouth after she had killed it. So she oh didn't God. eat it. It was not fun. <laughs> oh God, mice, man. Anyway, that's a whole other spooky story within itself. Uh-huh. Okay. Worst day of my life. Oh, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm so sorry. You know what? If that's your worst day, you're past it. Uh Right? And you made Mm -hmm. it through. Like, you made it fucking through that. Weird question to ask. Do you like weird questions? I, you know me. I love weird (laughs) questions. I am a weird question. You are. (laughs) Me too. Just so many question marks and little to no answers whatsoever. Uh Uh-huh. Still trying to figure that shit out. I'm almost 40 and like, what the fuck? It's okay. It's, you know, it's whatever. That's a whole other trauma podcast within itself. Uh-huh. Uh, so could you imagine if our podcast were a room in a haunted house? Because as you know, we are doing part two of haunted houses. So we're trying to stay in the theme, mm-hmm. stay on trend with that. Okay. What room would it be of this haunted house? What would its haunts be? Like, what would it be doing to the people that lived in this house? Okay. Like actual haunted house, not yeah. like a themed... Okay. Nope, like a real haunted house. If our podcast was like a real entity, I mean, it is within itself, but yeah. if it were, quote unquote, ghost. And then also, how, how would it be decorated? Like, how would the house be decorated? Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. It does. Okay. I think we would have a very dark aesthetic to the house. Mm-hmm. Are I we think- thinking like a dark academia? Yes. <laughs> um, like uh, American like- Gothic? Yes, like uh, mm-hmm. lots of different decorations, mm-hmm. lots of different decorations, decorations everywhere, but lots of black everywhere. Yeah, well. very noir. Uh huh. Maybe like a dark purple or a <gasps> yes, dark yes, green. Yes, 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 yes. But like a purple that was popular at that time. So not anything yeah. in the 20th century, but like way back. You know what I'm saying? Right, 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 right. right. Like a Victorian purple. Yes, yes, Very exactly. rich in color. Mm-hmm. And velvet. Oh, you know she would have velvet everywhere. Maybe Victorian style, like dark Victorian style couches. Yeah. You know. Clawfoot. Um, <laughs> I think that's how it'll be decorated. Mm-hmm. I, I feel like our podcast would be the living room. Oh, really? Okay. Just nice. because I feel like we're pretty open to most people. Yeah. Um, we're very, I, I try to be very welcoming. And you um, are. And you have the best customer service voice I've ever heard of anyone ever in the world. It's so fucking fake. It's, uh, <laughs> no, but I, I love it. And, uh, you know, we still talk about your customer service voice at work because Kelly and I used to work together. So uh-huh. still to this day, you a legacy, girl. You a legacy. I remember the first time I had to make a call for us at, mm-hmm. in the bakery. And I think I shot you a little. Oh, my God. You kind of made a wide-eyed face. Like, what? what okay. <laughs> Can you be more descriptive? Um, when my voice changed. <laughs> <laughs> Hi, this is Kelly. How can I take your order? That's just... Can you, can you give the audience... Can you give everyone a taste of your customer service voice, please? All right. Um... <laughs> So I normally talk like this, right? Hi, this is Kelly from the bakery. I'm calling today about your order. You see, see what I mean? Like you're okay. So you're Kelly, but you also moonlight as customer service Kelly. Like you have those two personalities like locked. She makes me want to throw up. I'm not gonna lie. <laughs> Sometimes, so you know, I have to talk on the phone. So I have to talk on the phone to like nurses and stuff, like pretty much all day. 
mm-hmm. right? The fakeness that comes out of my mouth just to like, you know, keep up like... Just to get them to do their job. Right? And just, just to be like a nice person. Like, uh-huh. hey, blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Thank you. And I hate that part of me. And sometimes I hang the phone up delicately. You know, I don't slam it. Uh, I did sometimes. You know what? My thing is, if I'm going to slam a phone down on somebody, I have to hear them click first, and then I'll slam the phone down. (laughs) Oh, I'll I'll slam it down anyway. Because, you know, it's like non-confrontational type. But yeah, I got to wait to hear that click, and then I'm like, gah, slamming it down. Um, But yeah. I remember working at that job. Sometimes I would want to slam the phone down (laughs) on the nurse's head. Okay, so when customer service Kelly is pissed... It's even it's scarier than Halloween combined. It's like every Halloween I've ever had is this is like you are scarier in that vein than everything else. Okay, so you think that our podcast as a haunted house, the room would be the living room. I think so, yeah. Okay. Now what would our podcast haunt be? I feel like I would want it to be like pranky stuff like mm-hmm. like poltergeist items disappear mm-hmm. out of the blue and then reappear somewhere else just Ooh. but i think that's what i would want to do as a ghost so. <laughs> <laughs> well that is that's you so you're half of uh, crazy hexy ghoul so that makes sense um i i don't think that's what our haunt would be though mm-hmm. maybe we'd be the like have the sudden burst of energy yes like, okay i was thinking the same thing like I was absolutely thinking the same thing. For picture sure. fall off the wall. Yeah. Door open. Yes. Stuff like that. So I, I didn't pick the same location. I think we have the same structure of our haunting and stuff, but they're two different places. So okay. that'll be interesting. I'm ready to hear yours now. Wait, no. So how would you decorate the living room if it were a podcast? Because you said we're in the living room. Oh, yeah. I, I told you. It would. Um... Oh, that's right. It would be dark. Okay. Uh-huh. My uh, listening ears are not on. They're on, just just your um, They're on backwards. allergic ears are also on. So. <laughs> so I had an allergic reaction to something and it made my face feel funny. So I just popped in my Benadryl because I'm, I'm that guy. I'm just mm-hmm. allergic to so much. And as an adult finding out, I'm allergic to all this fucking shit. Yeah. Like that's fucking, that's terrifying within itself. Uh-huh. Straight yeah. up. You know, I'm the same exact way. I didn't realize I was allergic to tree nuts this whole time. The only sign I had was the allergic reaction where my throat would get itchy. Right. And I'd have a hard time breathing a little bit. (laughs) Yeah. But I mean, on any given Sunday, that's how we would be. For me specifically, um, I had eaten something a while back that like made me feel very anaphylactic. So my heart was like, and I, I just started feeling really weird. And I had had an allergic reaction to something that was in the same family. I didn't realize they were related. And, um, it's a sense of panic that comes over you. It's a, it's an anxiety that you can't turn off. Like usually you can like kind of soothe yourself out of it. Nope. This was immediate. And I knew that something was wrong. It does not because your brain starts to feel weird and you're, you're like, uh Oh, and your body will literally tell you go to the fucking medicine cabinet, get your shit chew it if you have to like you are you're something's happening here that's Uh not right at all Mm -hmm. yeah and it's fucking scary but also beautiful that our bodies can um offer us that kind of guidance yeah maybe don't eat this (laughs) (laughs) but only eat it if you want to feel this way Uh like i'm not gonna kill you but i'm gonna make you feel like you're dying for at least kill you maybe yeah one day may pull that trigger but that's crazy everything's crazy anyway i would be so upset if i was allergic to peanuts (laughs) be so mad then we wouldn't be able to eat reese's i probably would still eat peanut butter i'm not gonna yeah um i mean i still eat walnuts so uh we're still waiting on that sponsor from reese's 
we're on our third season and not a single offer from Reese's. Reese's, if you are listening to this, please let us sponsor you for money and for candy. Uh-huh. You know, uh, reach out to us at crazyhexygool at gmail.com and we will get back to you because we've been waiting. We're I waiting love for you. so much. I know, me too. But I like money more. So, mm-hmm. you know, I'll do a 50-50 split. Yeah. I will. Yeah. We can get paid in races. It'll be fine. <laughs> Kelly, not in this recession. Like, we broke <laughs> as fuck right now. Everybody yeah. broke. I mean, we're not we're not homeless, but we are not where we were we're not two or three years ago. We're not thriving <laughs> like we were, okay? So if I could imagine our podcast as like a haunted house, I would say that the room we would be haunting was the kitchen. Um... And I say that <laughs> mainly because we, we like we record a lot in the kitchen. Mm-hmm. In the kitchen, in my experience, from every house party I've ever thrown in my whole life, everyone tends to gravitate towards the kitchen. It's like uh, the heart of the home, yeah. in my opinion. You know, uh, you've got a happy belly, happy heart. Everything feels full. And it's just like this gigantic hug, you oh, know? I like is. that answer. But in, I think we come, I think you're right. We do come from the same place because yeah. in my mind, the living room is kind of the same thing because everyone kind of gravitates towards the living room, sit down mm. at the coffee table, yeah. just kind of watch some TV together. Right. Like same vibe. Yeah. But also at your house, you have an open concept. So your living room is basically your kitchen. I like to see my kitchen from my living room mm-hmm. because I like to watch TV while I cook. Yes. That is such a happy, happy feeling. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? You're popping open a bottle of wine. You got your pasta on the stove, which brings me to my next point. I think that our haunt, I've got two that uh, popped into my head. One is that the stove would probably come on. We would have a big pot on the stove and we would just turn it on. Uh, we're going to help you create this witchy stew that you're about to make. So we're going to do it for you. We're going to ignite your fire. Yeah, exactly. And then also I thought uh, another one would be to giggle. Like people would just hear random giggling, you know, because I I was thinking about the episodes that we've done in the past. I'm always laughing for some reason. And we laugh all the time. So it just made sense. And also there is an old movie about a doctor who giggles, but he's also killing people. Dr. Giggles. It is fucking terrifying. And I watched it one time and Lord, I will never get that time back. So if you want to watch something that's like psychologically creepy, watch Dr. Giggles. So Dr. Giggles, I looked it up. Dr. Giggles is a 1992 American slasher film, and it's fucking terrifying. It takes place in 1957, uh, and the doctor, his name's Dr. Evans, uh, and he's like a fucking serial killer, and he just kills people like during surgeries and like all types of stuff. Oh, wow. From what I remember, it's been a while since I've seen it, but yes. Very yeah. creepy. How would our haunted podcast kitchen be decorated? I, in my mind, I'm envisioning very similar to what your kitchen looks like now. A long island, okay? And just candelabras with like white candles that are like bleeding red at the top. Like that feels very much in our podcast vibe. Yeah. Just candles everywhere. We talk about candles a lot. There would be mood lighting just above us. Yeah. Like, oh my God. That sounds so dreamy, doesn't it? Just like mm-hmm. being in like a speakeasy type of situation where it's just like dark and you're in a dungeon, but you're not, you know, like you're not in a dungeon, you know? So I think you and I have different ideas of what our podcast is. They're, they're very like parallel to each other. Yeah. That's so they're true. not far off from yeah. each other. 
Yeah, I'll take yeah. the living room. You take the kitchen. Yes. Well, it's an open concept. We'll meet in the middle. Mm-hmm. But I always considered myself to be like a kitchen witch. So maybe that's mm-hmm. why I gravitate towards stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Being able to make soup without a recipe. That's mm-hmm. a fucking gift. Uh-huh. All right. It is. Or being able to make food without following a recipe. That's a gift within itself, too. Yeah. witchy vibes. Mm-hmm. Do you ever like chant or talk over your food? Giving it thanks? Mm-hmm. It sounds so strange, but I always talk to my food when I'm cooking it. I've done that. You know, I worked in the food industry for so long and anytime I had to make anything that was like from the heart I would always do that thank you for offering yourself to us so we've picked it or I'll put certain ingredients in for certain things but yes I agree okay kitchen witch witch. okay another weird question but very important all right I need you to answer with your full heart I'm ready if you were a candle what candle would you be and why I think I would be some sort of apple cinnamon candle. Mm, like, like a hot toddy situation? Uh-huh. Like a very fall. But that's also my favorite smell. So. Like it's your favorite combo and stuff? Mm-hmm. I'm not a big cinnamon fan eating wise, but to smell it, oh my God, it's like the quintessential fall energy vibe. It's like fall festival. Mm-hmm. I like cinnamon with like a fresh scent to it too. Mm. So like a apple cinnamon or like a pumpkin pie Oh, my God. Oh, my God. I'm feeling very nostalgic for fall right now. Mm -hmm. Uh, We've got like a month and some change until fall. What what type of candle would you be? Um, Okay. I'm glad you asked. I wrote it out because I I would have a lot of smells. I'm big on smells. Uh, I would be a tobacco. (laughs) I would be a tobacco, nog champa, oak, bourbon, sandalwood, patchouli, energy, mixed with old books, records, ghost stories, and an accidental mug collection. I'd be haunting, sultry, and a little cottage witch. That's exactly what I'd be, right? That's a very well thought out answer. Oh, yeah. I I thought about it. I probably should have uh, sent you these questions before because uh, you're like, yeah, I'm cinnamon apple. I'm cinnamon uh, kumquat. <laughs> and I'm like, you know, giving this fucking paragraph of an answer. I'm sorry. Would you like you know, to? I, can, can I ask you next episode? Yeah. <laughs> do, you need, do you need a redo? <laughs> I have the upper hand here. I, I think I'll keep my same answer because I'm just a basic white bitch. <laughs> <laughs> she basic. She basic. There's nothing wrong with that. No. I mean, no. I, I feel like I rock it. Like, my thing is, I want to be all these things, but I want to come off as basic. I don't want to become, I don't, I don't want to come off as, like, too needy, but I want to need things. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Mm-hmm. <laughs> all right. I think we've tortured our listeners long enough. Should we, uh, should we round it up and get started? Oh, yeah. What are we talking about today? So today we're going to talk about Haunted Houses Part 2. So if you've not listened to Part 1 of Haunted Houses, skirt, stop right there and go back and listen to that guy. You won't be missing any details, but it would be interesting to know the history of some haunted houses before traveling down Part Mm 2. Kelly's going to go first. Uh, But the thing is, is that Kelly, you have to use your customer service voice when you tell us these stories. It's going to make me ill. (laughs) (laughs) Our listeners, our 13 listeners that we have, I'm I'm assuming, uh, because 13 is a lucky number. uh, They're probably all just, they're probably just going to stop listening if you do that. Maybe. It's going to be like scolded by Sharon from the customer service line. So today (laughs) I'm going to talk about the real house. Oh my fucking God. I think I speak for everyone out there in the world. Stop it. <laughs> You're fired. <laughs> like, 
HR just called and they want you to get your shit and they're going to have security walk you out to the car, to your car. Okay. <laughs> I know. It, it's just making everyone sick around me. Right? It was my suggestion, but I be damned. I am so sorry. <laughs> Don't you regret it? <laughs> Don't you regret it, baby? Yes, I do. So I have two stories. First story is about the Riddle House down in Florida. Have you ever heard about the Riddle House before? No, I haven't. Mm -mm. I tried to pick two stories that were not well known. So the Riddle House is one. It's kind of short. I have another one and it's about the murder house in Boise, Idaho. Okay, now I have heard about the murder house just because I was doing research on the same topic, but I did not dig into it. So okay, it's mostly about a murder case though. Okay, so I was just saying, you look very cute today. You look very <laughs> over the garden wall. You have oh. this, like, cute red beanie on. Oh, and... Is my face red or is, is this a tomato? <laughs> it's purple lighting in here, so I can't really see it. <laughs> but Well, I don't know what over the wall means, but thank you so much. It's very, it's so, it's such a cute aesthetic. Hold on, let me show you, let me show you a picture. It's like a very spooky aesthetic. Oh, and I love it. Okay, I know exactly what you're talking about. Yes, I feel like... Like you should be wandering the woods and having your own little adventures with a frog. Yes, <laughs> like I should be sitting on top of a mushroom right now. Uh-huh, yeah, you know exactly, I mean? you know exactly. I mean? Well, I am a pumpkin, I'm a jack-o'-lantern in the forest, and you're the crow landing on my back, remember? Mm-hmm. Well, I appreciate it. Thank you so much. You're welcome. So, are you ready for my stories? I am absolutely ready for your stories. Please tell me all the stories until my ears bleed. I'm happy to do that. My first story is about the Riddle House. I'm going to give you a little backstory about it. So, it was built in 1905 on 327 Keisha Street in West Palm Beach, Florida. It was built by construction workers that were working on one of Henry Flagel's hotels. Do you know who Henry Flagel was? No, no, I don't. I don't think he was a good guy. He was an oil mongol and made a lot of luxury hotels in Florida. From what I read, I went down this whole rabbit hole. He created this giant company with Rockefeller. And basically the U.S. government was, you're not going to have a monopoly on the oil industry in America. So you have to split to 35 different companies, something like that, 43, something like that. Hmm. And it split into what was eventually like Conoco and Shell and Exxon. Exxon, yeah. Yeah, all of those. But he moved down to Florida and he built a bunch of luxury hotels in the railway system down there. So this house was one of the places that he built. The construction workers used leftover wood to construct it. It was originally nicknamed the Painted Lady as it was brightly painted, but soon it started to be known as Gatekeeper's Cottage. It served as the residence of the keeper of Woodlawn Cemetery, and it doubled as a funeral parlor. And this was around 1905. In 1914, it started being called the City House, as it was purchased by the West Beach City Government. In 1920, the house was taken over by the first city manager and superintendent of public works of West Palm Beach, Carl Riddle, who eventually became the namesake of the house. In 1923, Riddle was voted out and had moved out of the house, which was then used for housing of new government employees. Then in 1927, an artist, Mary Ann Hayes, acquired the house and converted it into an art school, Flagler. His name is kind of hard to say. <laughs> I feel like I'm saying it wrong, but I'm not. I think you nailed it. Uh, so It just sounds really weird to say. Anyway, so the art school was called Flagler Art... Flake... Blah, 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 blah. Blah, 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 blah. <laughs> Flagler Art Center. 
In the 1980s, Palm Beach Atlantic College purchased the Riddle House and used it as a dormitory dormitory for a, a dormitory a dormitory oh <laughs> um, a dormitory. sounds like a dormitory it is <laughs> <laughs> no it's completely different completely different than a dormitory oh, okay okay like the opposite of a dormitory like no one can live there now a dormitory good yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> in the 1980s palm beach atlantic college purchased the riddle house and used it as a dormitory for several years the college started to expand and marketed the building for demolition. But before they could destroy the home, the Palm Beach Atlantic College decided to donate it to Yesteryear Village Committee, South Florida Fair Board of Directors, which John Riddle, the nephew of Carl Riddle, just happened to be a part of. So it all kind of circles back. Okay. Um, and then in 1995, the Riddle House was dismantled and moved to Yesteryear Village. The Riddle House then got a $450,000 historical grant, and then it was restored to its 1920s original appearance. $450,000? Yep. To, okay, so- to just fix it back up to how it looked in the 1920s. Oh, that's a lot of money. I mean, I know house renovation's not cheap, but... Right. Jesus. Yeah. Yeah, especially, like, old window panes, trying to get that single pane look, and, like, it's all really expensive. Yeah. So you can go to Yesteryear Yesteryear College, Yesteryear (laughs) Village, and you can go see it now, actually. They do, like, these haunting tours and all that stuff. Oh, okay. Now I'm going to tell you about the hauntings of the house, and there's a lot. So I'm going to go ahead and state a trigger warning right now about suicide. So if you don't want to hear this, go ahead and skip. Here we go. Joseph was said to have been a caretaker for the house, was said to have hung himself in the attic. I watched this Channel 5 story, this like local news story mm-hmm. about it, and a reporter took a tour, and the person who was giving the tour actually said that they have more activity around the full moon. Oh. Mm-hmm. Is that because it happened during a full moon, or is just in general like ghosts are more active during a full moon? Do you know? Uh, they didn't say, but I'm assuming it's just there's normally more energy around the full moon, and that was my kind of takeaway from it, but they didn't specifically say. Oh, okay. So this is all quotes from the Travel Channel from here on out. They just put it so concisely. I don't think I could have written this any better. <laughs> gotcha. The first ghostly legend attached to the seemingly normal house is that of a big man named Buck, who once worked for the cemetery. Local legend states that Buck was killed in town after an argument spun out of control. Buck's ghost has been seen walking the grounds around the house and on the porch of the cottage, where cemetery workers would often take their meals. Oh, like Uncle Buck. Have you ever seen Uncle Buck? Uh (laughs) Uh-huh. Man, I loved that movie when I was a kid. He was such a good actor, too. I know, I know. Rest in peace. Mm -hmm. During his tenure at the house, one of Riddle's employees encountered financial difficulties. He became despondent and withdrawn from his family. I believe this is Joseph. Seeing no other way out, again, trigger warning, Riddle's employee hung himself from the rafters of the attic. After the tragedy, the beam that was used to hold the rope was permanently removed from the top story of the house. Did they ever say why the rope was there to begin with? I don't... I think he hung the rope on the beam himself. Oh, okay. okay, And the beam, they removed it. Oh, I see. Okay. Sorry. 
Like I said, I have taken a Benadryl, so (laughs) this is going to be really interesting when I try to read my stories. That's all right. (laughs) We'll get through it. I have the munchies now. (laughs) Are you sure it was just Benadryl? Yes. Yep. (laughs) I'm going to have to call my boyfriend to come pick me up. (laughs) So the suicide was the catalyst for darker hauntings that followed. Carl Riddle's personal diary recounts how the family had trouble keeping help in the home. Staff reported hearing chains rattling on the stairs and murmuring voices. Minnie quit and never returned. Okay, what? Yeah. Why? Where do they think these rattling chains come from? There was a cemetery right next to it. Oh. So who who knows? And it used to be a funeral parlor, so there was a bunch of dead people in there. Who knows? Okay. I mean, if I were a ghost and I could do something like that, I'd be like, yeah, give me some rattling chains. Uh-huh. I would love to fuck with people like that. I know. Me too. <laughs> It'd be fun. Uh-huh. Good times. Like, but like people I hated in life. Right. And I don't, right. I, you know, I don't hate a lot of people, but um, definitely some people I'm haunting when I die. Yeah. Like you will feel my ghost, ghostly wrath. So. And, you know, who knows how Carl Riddle was? Because he, mm-hmm. was, he was like a politician, it sounds like. Because yes. he was elected into the position. And not all politicians. <laughs> Am I right? But, um, okay. You can't see my face, but right, 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 read right, right. between the lines. All right. Uh-huh. I mean, you never, you never know. But mm-hmm. I don't have a good feeling about politicians. <laughs> <laughs> okay. Okay. During the reassembling of the Riddle House, the dark haunting inside reared, reared its head again. Reared. I'm going to redo that. It sounds one. like we're uh, trying to start an engine. But, uh, <laughs> like this. Like, I love you, and I miss, miss you, you, and I love you. Reared. Okay. <laughs> we did that in a few episodes ago. I did think you know we that? Did. Yes. <laughs> During the reassembling of the Riddle House, the dark haunting inside reared its head again. When returning to work in the morning, carpenters would find their tools thrown from the attic and on the ground below. Third floor windows would also be found mysteriously broken. At one point, reconstruction had to stop for six months because the workers were so shaken up by what they had experienced inside. Hmm. So they just refused to work for about six months. Dang. Yeah. I mean, it had to have scared them that bad for sure. Right. I mean, I'm sure construction workers see a lot of things. Oh, it's yeah. A- you know, that would be interesting to do a podcast about stuff like that. Yeah. I've come across a few stories where people were like, we we're renovating a house and this is what happened. We should do renovation ghost stories. Ooh, yeah. yeah that'll yeah, yeah, that'll yeah. be on the Halloween tour of 2023. Yeah, that sounds great. During the private unveiling of the Riddle House in Yesteryear Village... Two unexpected guests showed up at the reception. Dressed in early 20th century garb, Minnie commented on how dashing the pair looked. Those in attendance assumed the couple could be actors. When an old photo showing the original Riddle House was unveiled, attendees were shocked to see the couple in the photos. The out-of-place guests could not be found. The Riddle House is one of the most active haunts in Southern Florida. One visitor who had arranged for a private tour was struck in the head by a piece of wood in the staircase. The wood seemed to appear out of nowhere. A maintenance worker was attacked while cleaning the building and refused to enter the house again. Other witnesses have spotted a hanging torso in the attic window, 
but later learned that no such mannequin exists in the attic. Security personnel have seen lights going off in the building, and many avoid the house altogether. So that was like the big quote from the Travel Channel, and I thought like that just kind of put everything together very, very well. Yeah. I don't think I could have written it any better than they did. Yeah. There's also a couple of reviews about the house as well. So I'm going to read some of those. This is one of the reviews. Joseph is an extremely angry spirit, the angriest of the three ghosts that haunt this house. While he does stay in the attic, he is known to wander, pulling hair and throwing things. I made a mistake of leaning on the attic door without realizing, and immediately something was thrown in the attic. It doesn't sound like he's a good ghost. Is that it, what the general consensus is? He's I just think, not a good ghost. I mean, he's, show, he's appearing to people as a hanging torso in the attic so i don't think he's a good ghost Mm -hmm. i don't think he's very friendly Mm -hmm. um there's also i um watching the interview i remember one of the person who was doing the tour of the house for the reporter she was saying that a lot of people will walk in the attic stop they'll take two steps stop turn back and say nope he's right there Like they can feel his presence or they can can see see him. him. Oh, God. No. Mm -mm. Mm -hmm. Damn. Yeah. Yeah. Not good. There's one more uh, review that I have. Let me let me ask you a question. Mm -hmm. Or do you want me to wait? Uh, No, you can go ahead and ask. Now, is it 110 percent confirmed that he actually hung himself or is it possible that somebody killed him? Is, are there any theories out there about this? I don't think so. I don't think there's a lot known about him anyway, because this was in the 19... Yeah, this was in the 1920s. So this was 100 years ago. Yeah. So I'm sure there weren't a lot of records right. back then. And I think it's not necessarily confirmed that his name was Joseph, but I think it was written in uh, Riddle's diary. I think he wrote about it. Gotcha. Okay. And I think that's how we know about it. Don't quote me on that, though. Okay. I will definitely quote you on that later, so. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, this is the second review. And by the way, both of these were made during the pandemic. There wasn't anyone else there. Okay. Um, These were, like, spaced out visits, I'm pretty sure. Went to visit the Riddle House about a month ago. We were the only visitors to Yesteryear Village that day. When we went to enter the Riddle House, it was locked. A volunteer went to go get the key to unlock it for us. As we waited, I saw a figure in the upstairs window wearing a white dress. Almost instantly, my daughter asked me if I saw the figure wearing a white dress in the upstairs window. Positive proof to me, I know the house was empty and locked, and my daughter saw the exact same thing I did. Very cool. Definite otherworldly feeling inside, too. Especially the child's bedroom upstairs at the entrance of the attic stairs. Hmm. So that is my story about the Riddle House. I like how you read reviews that uh, personal experience people have had, like, this century? Like yeah. This century, you know? Yeah. Like, in their own words, they wrote about it. Yeah. Thank you for telling us that story, Kelly. It was really spooky and weird, and you can actually go see it, so go mm-hmm. do it. And this next story is also kind of spooky. Not as many ghost stories about it. There's more like folklore about it i guess Mm -hmm. but not i'm not sure if these are actually like true recountings of the story also when i read the address don't go to this house it's owned by someone who doesn't really care to see visitors about it so 
Don't don't stalk this house, please. Should I just not say the address? What's the address? Let me write it down real quick. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean, if we don't say it, Google will, or wherever you got it. Yeah. You got it somewhere, so someone right. else can get it, too. Right. Just have a little fucking decorum and respect for other people's things and belongings. Like, don't right. be a dick. And there is a trigger warning for the story. This involves a murder, um, and it's a little graphic. And I wrote down basically this entire story from caselaw.findlaw.com. And this is like a court document. And it has verbatim what happened from the police report. Oh, my Jesus. So it gets, it gets kind of graphic. So Oh, my fucking God. And you said that uh, major trigger warning here, correct? Yes. Okay. Yes. So you guys just speed ahead if, if you don't want to hear this. It, if you don't want to hear about murder, just kind of skip right but i you know what i can only imagine that if people are here they, they want to hear about murder but just in the off chance that you're checking this out for the first time mm-hmm. you know just skip ahead do a little mm-hmm. skippy-doo and go ahead it does get a little graphic so are you ready for my second story mm-hmm. this is about the murder house in boise idaho it's also called the chop chop house by some chop chop house uh-huh oh, okay And again, there is a trigger warning for this story. This takes place at 805 West Linden Street. A lot of rumors surround the house. Rumors range from crazed murderer who killed and dismembered numerous people in the house to the house being a fraternity house for Boise State University with fraternity members telling of blood dripping from the basement walls to ghostly apparitions of a woman in 19th century clothing staring out the front window at night. Now, this is the actual story. Those, most of those rumors are kind of fake. Like, they, they're just fake. Except the first one. Okay. That one's based on fact. Preston Murr attended a funeral in Boise on June 29th, 1987. That afternoon, Murr and a small group of funeral participants became intoxicated and belligerent. A fight broke out between Murr and two others. Police were dispatched to the scene, and Murr and the other two combatants were cited for disorderly conduct. Later that evening, Murr called the police from his sister's apartment where he was staying with his girlfriend. Murr told the police that someone had called and threatened to kill him. Mermaid. Mermaid. <laughs> <laughs> she be flipping and flopping that tail. <laughs> singing them songs. Part of your world. Uh, Part of this world. Mermaid, a telephone call Hold to on, Rogers. Uh-uh. You can't flip back. You can't bounce back that quick <laughs> with a typo, like a vocal typo like that. What the hell? Okay, okay, okay. okay. Let's regroup. Regroup it. You're making a splish, a splash. Mer had made a telephone call to Rogers, <laughs> whom he, in an attempt to find out who had threatened him, he then left his girlfriend at the apartment and went to a Circle K store on Boise Avenue to meet Rogers and Darren Cox. When Rogers and Cox arrived at the store, Murr was observed using the pay telephone while holding a baseball bat. Murr joined Rogers and Cox in Rogers' car and drove to Murr's sister's apartment, where the three discussed the threatening telephone call and the whereabouts of guns that had been stolen from Rogers. The three left the apartment and drove to Rogers' house, at 805 Linden Street, where Rogers obtained his gun. According to statements later made by Rogers and Cox, 
Murr wanted to show Rogers an apartment where he believed Rogers' stolen guns were located. The trio then drove throughout Boise trying to locate the apartment and the persons who allegedly had stolen Rogers' guns. Eventually, Murr telephoned his girlfriend to inform her of his plans. So a lot's going on right now. Mm -hmm. The trio then returned to 805 Linden Street. Around midnight, an altercation broke out, and Murr was shot in the shoulder with a 357 Magnum handgun. Murr ran out of the house and into the neighborhood in an attempt to escape. While trying to flee his attacker, Murr attempted to enter the home of a neighbor. The neighbor heard pounding at his door and someone screaming, Let go of me! Then he heard an anguished yell. Peeking out the window, the neighbor saw someone chasing Murr. Murr was finally apprehended by his assailant and taken back to the house at 805 Linden Street. Thereafter, Murr was fatally shot in the back of the head with a 357 Magnum bullet to the brain. Hmm. About this time, the neighbor telephoned the Boise Police Department dispatcher to report the commotion outside and reported that there appeared to be blood at his door. The neighbor then looked out his window again and noticed two people at 805 Linden Street moving around the porch and yard. He then saw one of them hosing down the porch with a garden hose. Then one of the persons approached his house with a flashlight and appeared to be looking for something. The neighbor watched through the curtains, expecting the police to arrive. However, the police never responded to the call, and he went to bed. What? Uh-huh. So this man Why? is shot and killed. These, these criminals, these murderers, are still out and wandering around this guy's house. The police have done nothing. Damn. Did they ever say why the police didn't show up? No. No, they don't. They just never responded to the call at all. Didn't go out there, nothing. Murr's body had then been cut into pieces with an axe and knives in the basement of Roger's home and placed into plastic bags. The bags were put into the trunk of a brown Grand Prix automobile belonging to Roger's wife. During the early morning hours of June 30th, Rogers and Cox drove the automobile to an area near Weiser, Idaho, on the Idaho-Oregon border. Most of the body parts were thrown into the Brownlee Reservoir. Part of the body that did not sink was taken to a bluff approximately 100 yards above the water. The plastic bags, bloody gloves, and other clothing were discarded in a dumpster behind a convenience store in Meridian, Idaho. Damn. So they were they were really just trying to cover up their tracks. Mm-hmm. The next morning, the neighbor observed a brown sedan stopped in the street next to his house. Then it was driven away. He called the police and told them to come out and investigate the blood he found on his front screen door. The police arrived at the scene, and upon seeing the trail of blood, called for backup. Blood was splattered on the neighbor's house, as well as other houses in the neighborhood. The area was then blocked off as investigators arrived and determined whether someone was injured in the house. After knocking and calling without answer, the police sealed off the area and waited for search warrants to be issued before entering the residence at 805 Linden Street. There, the officers found blood in the house, particularly the basement. Drugs and money were also found and seized. They discovered a bullet fragment inside a clothing dryer and a bullet hole in the door at the top of the basement stairs. Eventually, they located a handgun belonging to Rogers in the bottom of a speaker stand or cabinet. Rogers and his wife were arrested on June 30th and charged with possession of controlled substances 
with intent to deliver and other drug-related crimes. A few days later, people discovered parts of Murr's body along the banks of the reservoir. Hmm. Police charged Rogers and Cox with murder. Cox talked to police, giving them details of the grisly murder, leading the police to evidence, placing blame on Rogers for the murder, and attributing his own involvement to his fear of Rogers. Separate trials were ordered for Rogers and Cox. Rogers' trial was scheduled first. He testified during his trial, but Cox was considered unavailable and was not called to testify. Although Rogers had made some statements to the police early in the investigation where he had been on one night of the murder, he did not admit until trial that he was present at 805 Linden Street residence when murder was killed. At trial, Rogers related that he tried to break up a knife fight which occurred in the basement between Murr and Cox. He then testified that Murr suddenly came at him with a knife and he fired a warning shot in self-defense. The shot unintentionally struck Murr in the shoulder and Murr rushed into Rogers, knocking him down and causing him to lose his gun. Murr then fled up the stairs. Cox seized a gun and fired at him. Cox chased him down, brought him back to the basement. Rogers was then upstairs when he had heard the fatal shot. Cox then came up and said he had killed Murr and announced his plan to dispose of the body. Rogers testified that he could not participate in the butchery, but admitted that he helped clean up and dispose of the evidence. So the jury convicted Rogers of first-degree murder, and the district court imposed a fixed life sentence. Hmm. Cox, after complying with police and giving testimony to the police, was given a lighter sentence of only six years. And recently, Rogers tried to appeal his conviction, but was denied in 2005. Okay, so that's the story of the house. So that's what happened. So obviously there's a lot of myths and legends surrounding the house, like I said at the beginning. Yeah. So there's not a whole lot of statements people have made about the house of this has happened to me here or I heard this happened to my friend here, stuff like that. Mm-hmm. But I do have a couple. A radio station, 107.9 Light FM, they have this website and this was all on their website. We do, however, know that for at least a period of time, the owners rented out the house, often to Boise State students. That's why we stuck up a photo of it and asked firsthand experiences people have had with the infamous murder house. These are the stories we got in return. So there's Lacey O. When I was a teen around 1999, my best friend's dad owned it and rented it out to college kids. Over that summer, me and my friend had to clean out the house after some tenants moved out and we also did some yard work. We worked there for about a week. Nothing weird ever happened when I was inside, but I didn't ever want to go near that basement. I didn't feel like it was haunted. One time, me and my friends tried to scare some people that walked by by shaking blinds and screaming. (laughs) So that's one story. (laughs) So just kids being kids. Then there's Dandy. We were upstairs in one of the side bedrooms where we had heard someone walk up the stairs. Didn't think much of it. Thought it was the roommate. But then we heard it again and we never heard anyone go downstairs. So me and my friend B went to go check it out. We thought it was someone breaking into the house. We checked everything out and didn't see anyone. So we went and we stood on the porch to let whoever was there know we were watching if he was coming back. It was late, maybe midnight, and I kept seeing shadows out of the corner of my eye. I just thought I was tired until B asked me if I was seeing this stuff too. We figured we weren't looking for a person I stepped out into the front yard and looked up to the main bedroom upstairs. In the window was this big, black, oily-looking thing. 
I doubt what I'm seeing until it moves back towards the dresser, stops, and then goes to the door and disappears. I see a mirror standing next to the door on the porch, and it catches my attention for some reason. I'm looking in the mirror, and I see a ball of oily blackness coming down from the pillar. Of course, I'm still doubting myself until the little ball gets huge. It takes up the whole reflection of the mirror, and the thing goes through me. It was the weirdest, most disturbing thing I've ever felt. Just typing this makes me feel it again. It's like ice fingers sinking into my shoulders. Being the tough guys that we are, we ran downstairs to the Chevron and called our other friends in the house to tell them to get their car keys and and get out. I never went back to the house, but B continued to live there for a little while longer. Feel free to doubt me and call me crazy. I don't care. So that's his story. Mm-hmm. That's super creepy. Yeah. This is Kristen W. When I lived on Leadville, when I was a kid, I saw a woman in the upstairs window banging on it. It looked like she was screaming, but there were no sounds. I'll never forget that. Which is weird. Mm. Because the first the first person said they were they were screaming and shaking the windows. So I don't think it was them. There was like no sound coming out. You would have, they would have heard that. Yeah. Joe W. I lived in the upstairs for about two semesters while I attended BSU about 12 years ago. We had a bunch of friends living with us. Oftentimes with all the foot traffic, we would spill out into the front porch. In the summer, we made a fire pit out of the front and, and would have people sitting around the campfire until early in the morning that next day. I'm sure that's where the fraternity comes up. The basement was creepy and had a weird feel. We would take people down there to scare them. We had heard the same story. I never saw any ghosts, but you could tell something was not right. It was a fun place to stay for a bit. And then Rachel R. My family almost bought this house back in 2000. I remember going to look at it and doing a walkthrough being so creeped out just by being in the home. It looked like it had been abandoned and the basement was by far the creepiest part. I can't remember exactly what it looked like and get anxious thinking about it to this day. From what I saw, it sounded like people who had lived there previously um, would hear unexplained noises all the time. And yeah, that's my story. Very interesting. Thank you for telling us that story. Not as haunted, but there are some stories about it. People felt haunted by it, even to this day. That's a good haunted house. Yes. And I think the most interesting thing is that basement where that guy was killed. That, Mm -hmm. which, I mean, basements are creepy anyway, Mm -hmm. but everyone thought that something was wrong with that. So. Anyway, that's my story. Again, Kelly, thank you for telling us stories. You know, I love when you tell fucking stories. I love reading stuff. I don't like hearing my voice, but I like reading stuff. Right? It is kind of hard to hear your voice, like, during playback, you know? Um, Your own voice, yeah. Yes. Not my voice, I'm sure. No. (laughs) So, uh, story time. Okay, so this story comes from the top 10 ghost stories from the oldhousejournal.com. Thomas G. Lyle from Danbury, Connecticut. So this is his story that he submitted to uh, Old House Journal. It was originally published in Ghost Stories, September, October of 1988. The title of the story is called Thankful. From the very first day Mary Lou and I bought our 220-year-old farmhouse in Connecticut, we felt the presence as though someone was reading over our shoulders. After we moved in, quickly apparent that the house came complete with a permanent resident. And somehow, Mary Lou knew it was a woman. Doors opened, closed, and sometimes slammed. Things were often not where they had been left. Footsteps frequently could be heard, especially upstairs in our daughter's bedroom. 
To us, this was a warm, joyful feeling, not at all adverse. A feeling of well-being filled us. Not everyone felt that way. A workman repairing the sill at the back of the house had access to the basement from the outside. He wanted to get in, and he tried the door. No one was at home, and the door was indeed locked. But as he tried the door, he heard footsteps coming toward him across the living room floor. They stopped at the door. He asked to be let in. No answer. He went back outside to see if one of us had come home. No cars in the drive, no open doors or windows. He couldn't get in. He went back into the cellar and up the stairs, calling out to be let in. The footsteps left the door and went back across the living room floor, and the workman, he left quickly. He said, skirt, no thanks, peace out. A phone call to the previous occupants concerning several practical items such as plumbing and construction repairs ended up to be very revealing. The conversation concluded, you do know that there is a ghost in that house, don't you? Yes, we certainly did. They had known it during the 20-odd years they had lived there and never had a bad experience. Only once did they see the spirit. The wife, her husband, and her daughter all saw a figure come down the stairs from the second floor. At first, they thought it was a child. It was very small. But on the second look, they saw it was an old woman with gray eyes, dressed in gray. Then she disappeared. So it was a woman. Mary Lou was right. But who was she? No one had a clue. In researching the history of the house, I learned that it was built between 1752 and 1777 by and Knapp and was sold father to son for three generations in the Knapp family. You heard that correctly. It looks like it's Elnathan, so I'm assuming it's Elnathan. I don't know. Have you ever heard a name like that? No, but that sounds about right. Yeah, for like that time period. Mm -hmm. Very interesting. In 1882, Ira Knapp and his bride, thankful Barnum Knapp, took over the family farm for his father, Elnatha Knapp Jr. Her name's Thankful, by the way. It's so fucking adorable. It sounds like a very... A Puritan. Puritan, a Puritan name. Yeah. yeah, it might have been. That's, that's kind of what the Puritan names were back then. Oh, yeah. We can dive into some Puritan names sometime. That is, they're just ridiculous. I love them. <laughs> <laughs> Ira and Thankful were the last of the Knapps to live in the house. Ira died in 1871. Thankful, then 65 years old, refused to leave the house to live with one of her sons close by. She insisted on staying in her house alone, and so she did, until she was killed by a fall down the cellar stairs in 1890 at the age of 85. She was buried the next day beside Ira in the little cemetery of the church they had joined in 1843, and it was about a mile from their home. The Knapp genealogy describes Thankful as very bright and active all her life with gray eyes, and was very small, weighing only 90 pounds. Little tiny baby. That's so cute. I love, I love, like, when people are small, especially old ladies. They're just so cute. Mm -hmm. They're cute if they're nice. (laughs) If they're mean, they're not that cute. (laughs) Right. It all fit together. Thankful Nap is still in her house, and she is delightful. What? Sorry, thankful nap. Yep, thankful nap. It just, it just mm-hmm. clicked for me. I'm, I have, I'm hopefully <laughs> going to have a thankful nap later. <clears throat> right? Mary Lou had been missing a bracelet for several weeks, and one day she simply said, Thankful, please help me find it. The next morning, it was on the kitchen floor in full view. Oh, so cute. Thank you. So thankful. One day last winter, our daughter Lynn came home from school without her house key. She went into a pantry off the kitchen where our dogs can get in and out of the weather and tried the door from the pantry into the kitchen. It was locked and chained. She called out, Thankful, please let me in. I'm cold. After petting the dog, she tried the door again and it flew open. 
I got chills. <laughs> and they're multiplying. Sorry. A great delight was to watch our cat Moby playing with Thankful. Aww. He would jump up and spin around, pawing in the air, then run full speed into another room and back, changing direction suddenly several times. So he'd get like the zoomies hardcore. <laughs> he finally ran, smack into a wall, and sat there staring at it as if wondering why he couldn't go through it. Aww. No, that's too cute. After pawing the wall for a minute, he took off for a doorway leading to the other side of the wall and resumed chasing, jumping, and playing. On Sundays, Thankful was not present or not active. It was her day off. It was her well, day She was a very holy woman, so. Right. Very She's a religious. Good Puritan woman. Moby would walk from room to room all through the house calling meow to his friend. Oh. It was a sad day for all of us when Moby died. Thankful became quiet for more than two weeks. On another time, Thankful became quiet for several days. That worried Mary Lou until we realized it was January 22nd, the date Ira Knapp had died. Oh my gosh. Do you think she mourns her own death? Oh yeah, absolutely. I'm getting chills really hardcore. He had been ill for several days before his death, 117 years ago. I guess at the time. That was 1988 when this was written. Crazy. Yeah. Are you talking about her death? Yes. So he had died 117 years before they wrote this. So they had been dead for a long time because she outlived him 20 years. Oh, wow. Right? Yeah, because she was like in her 60s when he died. And then she died in 85. And he was in his 80s, I think. Like he was much older than her. We now go to the little church where Ira and Thankful were members. They're buried there. And Thankful's gravestone reads, Gone but not forgotten. She certainly isn't forgotten. In fact, she isn't really gone. Do you think she goes the to end. church on Sundays? Yes, I do. I sure do. Goes to that church where she's Yeah, been. yeah. She's, maybe she knows that she died, but like still living her best life, just parallel to her death, you know? In, a, in another plane? Yeah. That is super cool. But that's awesome that now uh, Moby and Thankful are together. Like, that's just, Aww. I'm sorry, that's sweet. That's yeah. sweet to me. But I have one more story. And I got this story from Reddit. I had several stories from Reddit, but I'm just going to pick this one. You ready, 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 ready? I'm ready. I'm ready. I'm ready. ready. I'm so excited about it. Let's hear it. So this story, again, comes from Reddit. And the uh, user, the Reddit user is Filio15. This was just nine days ago. So the story's uh, pretty relevant. Like, within, it's like, you know, pretty recent. The house my wife and I moved out of two years ago this month may be the most active place I've ever lived in. Everything kicked up tenfold once our daughter was born. One morning, my wife was talking to me before I left for work, and three or four of the toys hanging from our daughter's play mat started swinging in unison. Constantly coming home to cabinet doors open, bedroom doors open. Our car alarms started going off one night in a locked garage. I went and investigated just to find nothing. Once I came back into the house, the alarms went off again. I had to disconnect the batteries to keep it from happening. Oh, shit. I went to bed one night, felt something applying a lot of pressure to the side of the bed next to me. Initially thought it was our cat, but he never gets on my side of the bed. I got goosebumps pretty bad and the chills. I said, man, fucking stop, dude. Pulled the blanket up more and scooted to the middle of the bed. Felt it do the same thing again. This time, it felt like it was on its hands and knees on the bed. We'd see a silhouette walking back and forth in our guest room, so we covered the door with a blanket. 
My mother-in-law came to spend the weekend a few days later since our daughter was only about a week old. I told my wife not to say a word about what we've seen and heard in the room to see if we're crazy. A few weeks later, I'm in the living room around 10 to 11 p.m. and I felt something staring at me. I look to my left and clear as day, I see a face that quickly ducked its head back behind the doorframe. I said, fuck that, and went to bed. About two minutes later, our daughter starts screaming. I clicked record on my phone and held it out in front of me. I ran to grab our daughter and took her to our room. Shit like that happened constantly for three years. I spoke to the people who live there now just to see if it was us or if it was the home. They said they've experienced a lot of things just as we did. Oh my gosh. Yeah. So I, obviously, I don't know where that person's from or like where the house is, you know, it's, but it has to be like really validating for someone else to have a very similar story to yours. Like it, yeah. it, it feels good to like know that you're not crazy because that's the first thing people are going to think whenever you tell them the story, like, hey, this shit is happening to me. Right. But then you have a whole other family who had no idea that your story existed and then to correlate the same story. Yeah. Insane. I wonder if it was, if having a child set it off because he said it only started when they Mm -hmm. had a baby. Yeah. And the people said they had similar experiences. So I wonder if that child thing is the same. Yeah, it could be. It could be. I don't know if they had any kids either, like the new family. Uh, okay, so just, just to preface this, my house is haunted and we have, and we've seen a lot of stuff. Um, you've had experiences in my house as well. Once we had my second daughter, it started to ramp up. So I definitely get that. Universe is weird, man. I know. I also think that our house is partially haunted because, so, you know, my partner and I were both resellers. So we have a lot of vintage stuff in our, uh, in our apartment all the time. Right. And I noticed that uh once he brought home a suit from like the goodwill and then this man started to show up in our apartment uh and he wasn't scary he was just like big burly guy that would show up Mm -hmm. i haven't seen him in a while um and then a whole bunch of vintage stuff and antique stuff and retro stuff that has seemed to leave us because we put it all in our booth or we put it online and stuff like that or it's gone from our house so a lot of the entities like just kind of come and go as we introduce stuff into our house Do you believe that? Do you think that like furniture and all that stuff carries ghostly energy of some sort? I do. I do. I think things can be and people can be attached to specific objects. Mm -hmm. And I don't think that leaves when you die. No. It's like, what do they call them? Impressions and prints, like impressions yeah. and stuff? Yeah. Um, maybe not even just like impressions. With like a specific object just kind of stays, it like lingers a little bit maybe. Maybe. Or maybe you hear the stories about people being attached to specific objects and mm-hmm. death having to stay with that object or like yeah. in media or mm-hmm. like in TV shows and stuff. Yeah. Who knows? Yeah, I heard this thing one time that uh, actor Billy Bob Thornton, you know, Billy Bob Thornton, him and Angelina Jolie dated like years ago, and he was afraid of antique furniture. And I assume it's for this very specific reason. At least that's what I heard. I don't know if that's true or not, but I don't know. Do you have any other stories? I know you had a no. couple. No. Okay, so I, I did have a few stories that I'd found, but I, you know what, we'll save it for another time. Okay. We'll save Are it for another sure? time. Yeah. 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 You guys, thank you so much for coming back and listening again. We appreciate you so much beyond words I can mention. Thank you. Thank you. This has been so fun doing this podcast. Yeah. 
It really has. It's. I feel like it's kept me. Same. Uh, sa- well, yes and no. But <laughs> I feel like it's helped me with my creative side. Because sometimes I'll get these thoughts and I'm like, I really need to get this creative energy out. And this podcast really helps me with that. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. You guys, we're still looking for some uh, story ideas. If you guys have any stories that you want to tell us, please let us know at crazyxschool at gmail.com or you can slide into those DMs, you know. We will answer as fast as we can, communicate with you guys. We have a plan for next week. Yes. We kind of have a little uh, surprise for next week. We're going to shake things up and things might be a little different. You may love it. You may hate it. Uh, We're just trying some new stuff. We're really excited about it, though. Yeah. The music in this podcast is by the band The Daddios. This is Kelly. And I'm Arlo. And you're listening to Crazy Hexy Ghoul. We'll see you next time. Is this it? Is this the end? Bye. Mm-hmm.